Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is another episode of the City on a Hill podcast. Just as a quick review, we have been doing a book report, as it were, on David Coises's Political Visions and Illusions. If you've not yet bought that book, you should just go buy it. We're, we're like a JV little book report here for you. Uh, but my hope is that you want to buy it based on, buy and read based on uh, what we've been walking through. But we talked about ideologies several weeks ago. And we have been uh, perusing through several ideologies. We talked about liberalism already. We've talked about conservatism. That was last week. And now we're going to be into a very cheery topic. It's two days before Christmas, and we decided to talk about nationalism. (laughs) Well, nationalism is worth talking about any time of the year, Eric. Oh, Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So in... In liberalism, there is an emphasis on the individual. In conservatism, community is mentioned, but just as in the way it's connected to tradition, uh, preservation of something. Nationalism is the ideology that begins to emphasize and take very seriously a community, a specific community, a defined community. And takes that, we talked about ideologies taking something good and making it a God thing. That is the thing that nationalism takes and makes it makes it a god thing. So, community often the the nation itself, however that nation is defined, becomes the thing worthy of praise in the, in this story. And in some respect, this is quite different than liberalism, in that it takes community seriously. And so the the reality is, and that's probably one of the, well, not probably, it is one of the weaknesses of liberalism is the the real focus on individualism to the exclusion of communities or groups or other mm-hmm. in, intermediary uh, levels of community. And here nationalism, while it more or less ignores the intermediate levels of uh, community, is uh, uh, focused on the the group or the tribe or the well nation. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that, that's a fir- this is a first ideology that takes that seriously and so uh, makes it radically different than what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that we're not used to though is kind of how um, Dr. Coises uh, defines nation or how we might define a nation i think we're familiar with the nation state which ties a nation Mm. to a state Mm -hmm. and that's what we're used to talking about but but the reality is that nation is the identity you might say that ties us together with other people and it might be language it might be ethnicity it might be religion it might be culture it might be customs it might be ancestry it might be race homeland, history, or some constitutional order. And the fact that we have a shared history is usually the decisive factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes 
you know, and one, one thing is not in there is geography. I mean, geography sometimes is it. But uh, if you think in terms of nationality as a um, ethnicity or culture and customs, that sort of thing, you begin to recognize some of the issues with nationalism because you have, well, shall we say nations within nations. Mm. Or depending nation, on how narrowly you define your nation, right? Yes. And nations that transcend nation-state boundaries, mm-hmm. and we're finding some of that in the world. In fact, it was in the news again this morning. For instance, in uh, Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. there the the struggle there is a nationalistic struggle that Russia is laying claim to people based on nationality, right? Uh, largely language, some uh, cultural and, and history and cultural and ethnic history. Yep. Yes, it's laying claim to people who no longer live in the boundaries right. of the Russian nation state. <clears throat> and so and because these boundaries used to be the boundaries of, say, Russia, we now have claim to them. So we're going to reinstitute that historical understanding of the nation. Right. But see how see how the the nation is separate from the nation state. That's, right, that's right. I think, what I'm yep. trying to make sure that we see is that because, because nation is the foundation for the identity, the nation state is, you might say, this, the structure or the, um, the way that we organize the, the institution around nationality. And so that, for, for me, that, that's, that's a helpful illustration. I, you probably are familiar with uh, uh, indigenous people here in the United States that talk about having a, uh, a nation in a certain, um, with a certain tribal heritage. Mm-hmm. You'll talk about the um, nations of, I'm trying to think what it is around here exactly, but the, the nations of the Willamette Valley sometimes or mm-hmm. things like that. And, and I sort of scratch my head when I read that. And then I, that, let me just say, this chapter in Coisus does help me understand mm. that's what's going on there is that there is this identity based on uh, history, ancestry, race, uh, ethnicity, culture, customs that defines a nation that is not, you know, within the boundaries of the United States nation state. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, that's probably more than we needed to talk about. But I think the issue is not the nation state so much as it is this affection for my large, you know, sometimes large, tribe basically the the people that are in versus those that are out right and the affection that i have for that and how strongly i hold that that's nationalism right and that that out and in portion of nationalism is something unique compared to liberalism and conservatism i'm trying to think of the ones coming up even compared to the ones coming up that's something unique about nationalism it defines an in group and there are those inside and those outside and that becomes very striking, very divisive, pretty quick, because it's it's all about how are you in? How do we define in? Who belongs to the nation? And there are necessarily people that do not belong. And that's how that's what gets emphasized with nationalism. Yeah, and that then becomes part of the redemptive story. 
mm-hmm. is that the redemptive story, the evil in the redemptive story is that I am being ruled by someone not from my group. Mm-hmm. And so there's national that that's that's where people get wound pretty tight, I think, about um, being uh, nationalistic. Mm. Uh, or jump into redemptive story. Let's. What's the creation portion? the The beginning of the story, the redemptive story of nationalism. Well, let's um, let's first just remind people that the reason we're talking about the ideologies is because they mirror the redemptive story that we find in the Bible mm-hmm. and offer an alternative redemption story. Mm-hmm. See, I think that's the the thing that we... Uh, we just hammer to, that over and over and over well, again. <laughs> but, and the reason we do is because I really want people to, to have tools to see through some of the things that we have to that we receive when we watch right. the news or when we watch a political rally or when we you know, any of these things, mm-hmm. we are ingesting something of liberalism or something of conservatism or something of nationalism mm-hmm. here. And if we don't have the tools in our toolbox to, to, to you know, put shape to it, we're just going to not really understand it. So uh, I hope that that's, that that's one of the things that happens here when we identify the redemptive story. And so it mirrors the redemptive story in Scripture of creation, which God, you know, made uh, everything good and made human beings in His image. Then they fell into sin and away from God, and then He sent a Redeemer, which is uh, Jesus. And a long part of the story there, of course, and He's going to make all things right and mm. restore things one day. And so you have this redemptive story in the uh, the Scriptures that God is orchestrating. And then you have these uh, visions and illusions, mm-hmm. these ideologies that are offering an alternative. And, uh, and, and I think it's really important that we recognize liberalism or the, the focus on individuals and even individual responsibility is a false um, redemptive story. And so is conservatism and so is nationalism. And so all that to say, I, I didn't answer your question. You said, what is the... Um, like a politician over here. What is the crazy... <laughs> that's what I wanted to talk about. I'm just going to talk I'm about saying. what I want to talk about. I'm just, yeah, forget. Did you ask me a question? <laughs> no. The, um, there is a sense in which the, the, the nation or the creation is uh, considered to be uh, an identity that was established historically, maybe by God or the God's, but it has a, uh, you might say, even a divine right to um, identity there. And that would probably be the way I would describe Mm. the creation part of the narrative Mm -hmm. with uh, nationalism is that we have uh, a, yeah, uh, divine mandate, divine right. And you think about even the nation states that I have already identified, whether it's Russia and Ukraine, whether it's the United States, totally mm-hmm. have manifest destiny mm. built into our nation, mm-hmm. which then you know runs us up against the the nations of the indigenous people in the you know that were here before us, mm-hmm. and so there's yes that divine sort of mandate that we are the people mm. is I think the 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 creation piece there. 
in the creation portion of the nationalism redemptive story doesn't have it's it's an idealized portion as well it doesn't necessarily attach to a specific uh historical moment where there were these people it, it, it's just a story it has to be there and we're going to live we're going to live out this idealized story even if it's not true even if it's not true yeah yeah which i th- you know i was thinking as even as you said that there are some some moments that are true for the nation of israel perhaps mm-hmm. you see in the scriptures whereas the the ideas underneath these other nations not so much mm-hmm. yeah when i think about Oh, what? It's in the Virgil's Aeneid talking about Rome, and Rome came from Romulus, who was raised by wolves, and everyone who who was led by Romulus, they're they're the Romans. They are part of this nation. Like, well, uh, I don't think that happened. I don't think that's real, uh, but it doesn't matter. That's the story that defines what it means to be yeah. Roman. He's he's the father of Romans, mm-hmm. so it it goes to that free nationhood piece. Um, and defines the nationalism there. You already hinted, I think, at the the fall or the brokenness piece, which is uh, some variation on the fact that the the nation or the people or the group that is identified by language, customs, ethnicity, mm-hmm. whatever, is ruled by another people, whether it's a, a neighboring nation or an imperial power or some other ethnic group. There is this outside uh, force that is oppressing and ruling, and I think that that's what we would say it, in uh, this false narrative is mm-hmm. the um, that that's the the fall or the brokenness mm-hmm. piece of it. And there could be an oppression oppression piece, so the desire to be liberated. Not to jump into the next one, but. There could also be a diaspora piece, a scattered piece. The nation yes. is scattered, so the the end goal is to bring the people back together, mm-hmm. and so that we have the nation together again. Yeah, which I think is exampled. Uh, I, I think I could say benignly in the diaspora of the Jews, and then during World War II, they're they're saying we need we need a place. We're we're a nation scattered. We need a place to call our own. Um, that seems like a I think that's a helpful example of of this in reality, scattered and then brought back together based on specific ethnicity or history or language. Which is another good illustration of, a, you know, not a nation state. Okay, prior to that, it right. was no nation state. Right. But I don't think there's probably any question that uh, there were people of Jewish descent who identified as the national Israel, let's mm-hmm. say it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And so this nation that is not a nation state then receives some kind of formulation mm-hmm. in 1948. And uh, now it is a nation state. There you go. Yeah. Now, now the two are more synonymous, you might say. Although although I think it's probably really fair to say that there are probably people who consider themselves part of national Israel who don't live in Israel, mm. the, the nation sure. state of Israel. So there, sure. it, it yep. still is there. But, but yeah, the either oppression or scattering are the two evils that would uh, happen here. So how would you how would you recover that or what would be the redemptive story? So the the redemptive piece, the the saving piece would be either liberation from oppression so that the the nation can do as the nation wants to do or a regathering um, of a of a scattered people. That would be the redemptive piece. 
and then the ultimate the ultimate example of it would be nationhood would be here we're established anyone else can point to us and say there's the nation the nation is defining what the nation wants to do um probably in a nation state of some sort or but at least recognize some sort of sovereignty for the nation right yeah right so the nation has its own uh, will and ability to um exercise that will mm-hmm. can there be benign nationalism can there be benign what would you mean by benign there i say i'm doing the politics thing That's again great. i'm, I'm really practicing very much practicing <laughs> um well we're talking about as an ideology and there's there's obviously something good about nationalism it's just it's just taken too far and I'm wondering if there's a way to get to an appropriate amount of, or oh. it, it may be benign. Maybe there is benign nationalism, but it's. I think I think Jonah Goldberg says um, there's potentially benign nationalism, but the word benign is doing a whole lot of work. <laughs> it's doing more work than nationalism. <laughs> yeah. So so one of the things that uh, Dr. Koizis would say is that uh, patriotic loyalty. You could have some patriotic loyalty that is not idolatrous mm. uh, so it, there is this limited affection for a community of fellow citizens bound together for the purpose of government based on defined territory so you you could have a patriotic loyalty that was not idolatrous i would mm-hmm. i think that's possible and i assume that's what you mean by benign yeah, yeah. so that there um in some respect it, it would be not unlike my affection for my family Mm. My affection for, although not as strong, probably my affection for my family sure. is probably stronger, um, and there, there is a very re- real possibility that um, it could be too strong, mm-hmm. and I make an idol out of my family as well. So there is a some zone that you cross in each of you know these kind of loyalties that ends up being a loyalty to something that is maybe too loyal. Mm. and too much and becomes idolatrous Mm -hmm. so there needs to be and I think we're pointing this out because that's the temptation there is a temptation towards nationalism in our country it's just just a fact and that will most likely show itself when someone comes up to you and says well aren't you patriotic there's an Mm. assumption don't you belong don't you belong don't you care don't you uh, it, it probably come out. Don't you love this place or something like that, uh, and not, and not completely defined whatever this place means. But that's where the temptation comes in. You need a specific, There is a prescribed amount of patriotic loyalty that you need to have, and that is that is informed by often nationalism. Not just I belong to this country, I belong to this nation state, and I'm grateful for it. So I have. X level of patriotic loyalty. Nationalism says, no, 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 you need to have 2X. You need to have 3X. Um, it demands your loyalty at the expense of other loyalties. And probably there is a draw in that direction. Maybe people um, who might pressure you that way when mm-hmm. they ask a question like you ask and uh, or make assumptions about you mm-hmm. like you're not patriotic enough. And... Um, so there is this, uh, I, I think that's probably one where not patriotic enough is a hint that mm-hmm. there may be uh, there may be a line or a zone that is 
uh, you're being invited over probably mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't know I think that there's uh, you know one of the things that this does is that it recognizes a sense of belonging and uh, that I think we have to understand when we talk about government government and governing that liberalism in some respect misses and so uh, it talks about uh, Coises says nationalism is right to alert us to the reality of community as something irreducible mm. to the aggregate wills of freely contracting individuals. Uh, and nationalism also correctly understands, in contrast to liberalism, the significant part of the state's task is to protect and advance the rights of community. Where nationalism fails, however, is in its inability to make room for a variety of communities with different structures and with overlapping claims on a person's loyalties. And so you were talking about patriotism as the question, and it is, but society is made up of many, many more things. Mm. There could be softball leagues, there could be churches, there could be um, VFWs or Elks clubs or mm-hmm. uh, any number of book groups or any anything where, where people care for one another, protect one another, listen to one another, advance each other's rights and dignity. And those that, you know, creates the fabric of society, not just the one monolithic Mm -hmm. um, nationalistic uh, identity, really. Well, and if, if the nationalistic identity is emphasized, it will drown out everything else. There will be individuals and there will be national nationalistic identity, and that's it. Because mm-hmm. everything else is a mediating institution between those yeah. those two things. And if we emphasize at the expense of everything else, you, you don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family better emphasize the nation, the uh, institution, the schools, the church. Every, the church yeah. Everything needs to emphasize the nation because we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, we all belong to this nation. And, that, and I think that's where the that's where it becomes an idol. You you jettison everything else. You sacrifice all those other things at the the altar of nationalism. Yeah, we rise and fall on this one issue, mm-hmm. and I think that's you know we're gonna we're gonna get to Christian nationalism soon. But that is one of the things that I think we forsake when we when Christians become nationalistic. Mm. Is the reality is the church of Jesus Christ is not going to fall with the United States of America or with Canada or with any mm. other country because it's the church of Jesus has a different mm-hmm. king. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, and it's explicitly not bound nationally. Every tribe, every it, tongue, right? every nation, every um, members of all of those connections will belong to Jesus. And so the church is not in danger, right? Merely because the United States is in danger, and I think that that's something that that is is hard to tease apart mm-hmm. because they feel pretty similar. I mean, I may dislike something on both accounts, so might dislike the same thing on both accounts, but uh, they're not the same, and the church is going to be uh, just fine. So that's one of the things I think that we that we have trouble with. Uh, and uh, even in uh, the book, he says 
There is some irony in the fact that many Christians who are otherwise able to see through the pretensions of liberalism and socialism are nevertheless among the first to jump on the God and country bandwagon. This is particularly true in countries that have enjoyed some degree of formative influence from the biblical redemptive narrative. Mm. And so, you know, if the Manifest Destiny, for instance, has Christian roots to it, then uh, it is, it, you know, it's, it is easy to jump on the God and country bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And then we get into a Christian nationalist mm-hmm. sort of a, a issue. And um, that, uh, I, I want to bring that up. I want to talk about Christian nationalism a little bit. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Merry Christmas, because yeah. Dallas First Baptist this last week had their Christmas service. They had former President Donald Trump at their Christmas service, and uh, he delivered a, some sort of a message that uh, emphasized, I think, several political points. And, um, I don't know, 104 people or something <laughs> trusted Jesus as their Savior. And it's like, okay, what just happened there? I don't know. And the crowd chanted <clears throat> USA. Well, that, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, somewhere Jesus was, you know, there. Anyway, it's just, it's mind-blowing to me, I guess. That's the thing. It just is mind-blowing that that could somehow replace the gospel. Mm. And there is this nationalistic fervor, really with a lot of Christians, that um, is worth thinking about and thankfully uh this book that we like so much (laughs) helps us with that and he said uh there can we define christian nationalism first so nationalism is emphasis on the description of a nation around either an ethnicity or a language or uh some historical marker how would you just how would you define christian nationalism or a religion or a religion and i would describe it that way is that Christian nationalism sees America as fundamentally Christian. And therefore, um, the people who are in are those who are Christian. The people who are out are not. And there, uh, there is a level, I think, of privilege to Christianity uh, in a Christian nationalist view of things because, well, that's... That's how we define what it means to be this nation of ours. And so that would be um, that would be the way I would define it, is that this mm. nation is defined primarily by, with reference to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, there, there are several things. Let, let's, we'll just, let's talk about his four uh, places that he thinks it airs on he says he airs on four counts let's talk about his four and then we'll discuss them a little bit but he says first christian nationalism unduly applies biblical promises intended for the body of christ as a whole to one of many political or particular geographic concentrations of people bound together under a common political framework okay that's just a mouthful way of saying that it takes promises that are meant for the church and applies them to the nation. Mm-hmm. If and, my or people na- who are called by my name will the nation state. Yes, the nation yep. state. Yep. Now, excuse me, I should be more clear. 
about that. So yeah, it applies, and it take you know it says the body of Christ there, but also there's lots of Old Testament things mm-hmm. that we take and apply to the nation state as well. So that's the first, is it applies biblical promises that aren't intended for the nation state to the nation state. That's one. Second, he says, is it tends to identify God's norms for political and cultural life with a particular imperfect manifestation of those norms at a specific period of a nation's history. And there is uh, the, uh, I think the idea that uh, it's a little hard to anchor in exactly the nation's history, but that it's the idea that it's going to look a certain way Mm. to be Christian, to be a Christian nation is, uh, is part of it. And, um, to make that normative or to put that sort of on the, on, on other people is, uh, is part of the challenge. Well, in the, depending on the manifestation of Christian nationalism, it would point to different specific periods. So I think predominantly now you're going to be pointing back to 50 years ago or something like that, that the good old days are 50 or 60 years ago and how things were working then is how they ought to be working now. Mm -hmm. And there's something oppressing that realization and we need to get out from under that and reestablish the Christian nation as we see it. I think that's probably, that uh, probably should have been able to figure that out myself too. That was because I, because really think about when somebody starts talking about, you know, taking our nation back mm-hmm. to what? To when in God we trust, to prayer in schools, to those sorts of things that were 1950s, 60s kinds mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I think that that's the political, that's a time in the nation's history where we said perhaps this was the most Christian, which that ignores a lot of other things that were probably right. not that Christian during that time. But that's for a different That's a podcast. poor historical view, but we can we can It's incomplete for yes. sure. Yes. yes. So we'll just let that sit there and uh, maybe take that up another time. Uh, the third uh, place that a Christian nationalist airs, he says, is that it too easily uh, pays their nation an homage due only to God. Mm. And... You know, I, I think that we probably say no. I, I, I that's not that's not it. I know I go to church to pay homage to God, and then there's my patriotism. But the reality is, the the idea of hope and fear. Hmm. If you think of where your what is your hope to fix this, and what are you afraid of, and if you identify both of those things. Uh, and they have to do with what's going on in the nation, mm. <laughs> we're going to end up paying homage to the nation that is reserved only for God. That's helpful. And even the statement, God and country, those those don't allow for any differentiation of value between those things. God and country. Mm-hmm. It's not God and then a little while later country. It's not God and then um, lower down on the list country. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some distinction there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look obvious. There are these two things I care about, and they're, as far as I can tell, equal. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, betrays a Christian nationalism. Yeah, certainly could, for could, sure. Yes. Yeah. And be a little more careful in my words. Yeah, yes. well, no, I mean, I just, uh, I want to be gracious to people who I think probably struggle with this. Sure. You know, in all fairness, this is, 
um, this has been pretty close to home for me. So, yeah, I think there's a there's a sense in which we all kind of need a struggle to get clear on wh- what is my idol. I mean, you've heard God and family also, and right, that's the same exact thing with a different. And I'd point out the same. Yes, you would. That's <laughs> why. That's what, that's why I said that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that all of us really were inclined to say God in something, right? And we just this is just happens to be the the episode on nationalism. Right. So yeah, uh, he said the fourth. Uh, deficiency is that those Christians most readily employing the language of nationhood may find it difficult to conceive the nation in limited terms. And the the idea, I think, being that uh, it has to do with the homage that we give too much credibility, mm-hmm. too much credence, too much power, too much importance mm-hmm. to uh, the nation. But I... I Anyway, I, I don't know. Do you? What do you think about that? Does that cover the the gamut, or are there other things or other uh, flavors that need to be talked about? I think that covers the gamut. Um, we we talked about the un, the problem of having uh, politics and nationalism engage a church service in a in a poor way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying unnecessarily graciously. Um, But I also, when I'm thinking about this, my mind goes to a year ago, uh, Mm -hmm. in about two weeks, my mind goes to a year ago, January 6th, when, and I remember we were sitting, sitting, we talked about this a little bit in a prior episode, but I came into your office because I was watching C-SPAN and there were Jesus flags and there were uh, a cross. There was a cross and hymns and yeah. As people were breaking into the Capitol, um, that that is a outworking of a Christian nationalism that says, "Uh oh, people are taking our nation away from us. Mm-hmm. We need to go take down take what it back, t- take it back, yeah. and 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 work through any institution that might be in the way." Mm-hmm. That's what was going on that day. The institution in particular was Congress and the a full a full body of the gathered Congress, um, but that's what was going on. Christian nationalism was engaging that institution and saying, "No, we are defined a specific way, and you can't take this from us." Mm-hmm. That's what was going on. So it's it doesn't just sneak into services or conversation between family. It it comes after any institution. And it sneaks in everywhere. Right. You know, I was just uh, thinking about, we did an episode early on about civic religion. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, your, your civic religion, you have um, national feast days, you have national ceremonies, you have mm. symbols, you have uh, uh, places of gathering and uh, you might even say worship that all have to do with the state and it's just so easy especially when you have a you know a christian heritage to your nation mm-hmm. that to to just wrap those together and when you when you wrap those together you have christian nationalism mm-hmm. and it's more it becomes more than civic religion right uh, and that i think is some of the the danger of it it's more than just sort of a Let's end our speech with God bless America. Right. It's a, that's a token. 
It, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it certainly could be a token. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, I, again, because I, 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 th- I say that because I think there are people right. for whom it is Christian nationalistic. Right. So it's more than a token. I mean, it's like it's not okay sometimes. But And also there's some people that genuinely want God to bless America. True. And, and my joke yeah, with whole... you has been, I want to someday be able to do something like that and say, Yahweh bless America. No, 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 I, I was talking about. <laughs> but yeah, it's different. So it, it's... You know, this is just one that I think we had to, well, we had to talk about because in the book, that's the value of doing a book report, right? So mm-hmm. we can blame it on somebody else. But the reality is this one is tricky for the church because, as as he talked about, the God and country bandwagon mm-hmm. is is pulled up at most every church, really, right. at some right. level. And uh, we have to say the church is about Jesus and period we're going to stop there and the other parts of life need to fall in some constellation around him Mm -hmm. and uh, i don't think christian nationalism does that right and and just one more thought in that god and country piece uh oftentimes what's wrapped up in some of the what what is being attacked often the thing that's being attacked is is western civilization some of the ideas around western civilization and the temptation is to see an attack on Western Western civilization and think um, Christianity is involved in Western civilization. Ergo, an attack on Western civilization is an attack on Christianity. And now I need to defend, and they're they're attacking Christianity. Um, th- those things are often wrapped up together, and it's really hard for people to say, no, they're attacking mm. X. They're not attacking Y. Um, but I care about both X and Y, so... You attack me at all, I'm being attacked on all fronts. It doesn't matter. Um, but those can be, should be pulled apart. God and country should be pulled apart. And even just thinking about this, I was reminded, you just gave a sermon, our Christmas sermon, on Jesus, the king, and his response to Pilate um, when Pilate's questioning, are, are you a king? Really, where's your kingdom? What, what have you been doing? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. Mm but my kingdom is not from the world. And later, Pilate says, you, um, I have the authority to release you. I have the authority to crucify you. And Jesus answers and, and reminds us how the authority of the nations even exist at all. The nation states explicitly, he says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. All these things are delegated authorities from God from Jesus, they're His authority, and do not be concerned that anyone can take away Jesus's authority. The gospel will not fail. The church will not fail. Even if some other ancillary benefits that we have, um, we like our country. We like the things it's founded on. There's some really good stuff there. Even if those uh, secondary or tertiary gifts are lost. That has no bearing on what the king of the universe will do. Mm. And that's what the, the, the threat we feel is it's all going to get taken away. It's all going to burn. It's all going to break. We need to take it back. Mm-hmm. You, you can't take anything from Jesus. Mm. And I just, I want us to be there. I want us to be there recognizing our tribe is in the church, not in the nation. Yeah. Um, however you define that nation, whether it's Christian nationalism or something else, uh, I just want us to put our hope our certain hope in the right place 
because there's only one place that doesn't fail. Oh, that's really good. Let's let that be the last word. Yeah, thank you, Eric. All right, we'll come back for the next one. We'll keep talking about ideologies. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us if you find what we're doing helpful. Write a review. Put some stars on there. Um, That helps the algorithm say, hey, you might like this podcast. Uh, Share it with a friend. Post it on Facebook. Post it on Twitter, Instagram, however you talk to the rest of the world. If you have questions, send them to podcast at newlifenw.com, and we look forward to the next conversation. Hey, all This is Eric with one more quick thing. In the next couple weeks, we are going to have a special guest, Koizis himself, uh, with an interview, and we are hoping that you can maybe supply us with some questions. So if you have questions for Koizis based on our book report or maybe your own reading of the book, uh, send them to podcastnewlifenw.com. We'd love to add those as part of our interview, and we look forward to talking with him with your questions. Talk to you soon.